Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. We are in a series entitled Better. And the, the tagline to this is how to win at home. And, and I think it's so appropriate that we're singing this song as we move into this message because if there was ever a place in our life where we needed to invite the Holy Spirit, to, to invite his strength and his power and his insight, and his wisdom, and, and just everything that he can bring into it, it would be in our families because this is where we struggle so much. And many times we talk about church, uh, we talk about other circles, but we don't talk about the family very often. And I want you to know that the family is the smallest battle formation within the army of God. It's where it starts. And that's what this series has been about, this idea of how to win at home, how to strengthen our homes, how to strengthen our marriages and our families. Because the way God set it up is that the way our families operate are supposed to be a reflection to the world of who he is. And we can get it right on so many different levels, and yet if we get it wrong on this one, we've missed it. And so we kicked this series off a couple of weeks ago. If you weren't here, I want to catch you up real quick. We, we talked about this idea of our, um, our perception of what life is going to be like. And we showed you these Lego houses. And we said, you know, for many of us, this is what we think our life is going to turn out to be like, right? It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be put together. It's got the grass. It's got the trees. The light actually works. I mean, this is what we thought life was going to be like. And again, we didn't say it. Uh, Maybe we didn't even think it to ourselves. But the reality is, this is what we planned on. Yet we knew that this was impossible. Why is this impossible? Because we're in a broken world. We're broken people. We make mistakes and we enter into relationships with other broken people in this broken world. This is impossible. This never happens. Usually, this is what we end up with, right? The door is not even on right. There's no grass and then the second floor is falling in and and I'm even worried about touching it right now because I think the whole thing's going to collapse on me here. But the idea is this is usually what life is like. And let me just say it this way. This is the way life works out if we're lucky, Because for many of us, if we're honest, this is where our life is at right now. Uh, Maybe it was the loss of a loved one, or or maybe it's just the loss of a relationship, or kids making decisions that you know you taught them better than that, and you're left picking up the pieces of your life. And and in that first week, we, we asked the question, what do we do with this? Like, what do we do with this? And the line that we taught you was the fact that if we take all of that and we give it to God, that God can redeem anything. He can redeem anything. And we used a, a Japanese artwork called kintsuke to kind of demonstrate that. It's, it's this artwork where they take a broken pot or a vase or whatever it is, and they put all the pieces back together, and they, they in the areas where the cracks are out, they fill that with gold, And it creates this beautiful artwork that actually in the long run ends up being more beautiful than it was put together. 
And we said, that's how amazing our God is. That's how incredible God is. That's how powerful God is that he can actually take those pieces and put them back together and make something beautiful out of something that's messed up and broken. That's how amazing our God is. Last week, we talked about foundation issues. The fact that we build our life on something and so often we choose the wrong things. And and what we told you last week is there is no better foundation than Jesus Christ to build your life, your home, your marriage upon. That's the foundation that the most beautiful marriages are built on. The most beautiful homes are built on. If you build on anything else, you live in fear of it crashing down around you someday. Because ultimately, that's what happens. Because nothing else can, can hold that weight. But Jesus Christ is the foundation that can hold all of that up. And he, can, he has a plan for how you build your home, how you build your marriage, how you build your life. And so today, I want to talk to you about parenting. But this me- message isn't just for parents. Uh, the principles that we're going to talk about today are going to apply to every one of us. So I don't want you to tune us out. But we're going to talk about parenting because I believe that one of the hardest things that you'll ever do is try to raise kids. Right on? Any parents in the room? Yep. If you've been there, you've done that. Yeah. You got the scars to show. You know that this is true. One of the hardest things you'll ever do is try to raise a kid. Uh, I like Je- uh, Jeff Gaffigan. I love his stand-up stuff. He just cracks me up. And uh, he was just on tour, and they're celebrating because they just had their fourth child. And somebody asked him what it was like to have a fourth child, and, and his response was this. He said, well, just imagine that you're drowning, and then somebody hands you a baby. That's what it's like to have a fourth child, Right? And uh, we, we know that parenting is difficult. Why? Because one of the hardest things you'll ever do is try to raise a child. Uh, mothers, uh, man, you were in our prayers all the time. We had an amazing event here yesterday. Our MOPS group, which is the Mothers of Preschoolers, they got together uh, yesterday, and this whole West parking lot was covered in a big fall festival. It was amazing. I was up here in the office, and I got to watch a lot of it happen. It was so cool. They had bouncy houses and this big bin full of corn and pumpkins, and it was just so cool to watch all these young families walking around, the kids having a great time and interacting. And I was just packed for hours out there on end, and and it was interesting. We were standing inside looking out and we made this comment that you can tell the, the young moms because they walk different than everybody else. And I started watching and they're right because they were walking like this or they would be, you know, they'd constantly be rocking because they're holding a baby. You know, they walk a little bit different than everybody else. So I, I understand that motherhood is an extreme sport. That's why they are always wearing workout clothes. I'm glad you guys actually laughed at that one. I was a little worried about that. Uh, (laughs) um, Jerry Seinfeld was talking about it. Uh, He he said having a two-year-old is like having a blender with no lid on it. You know, and I think some of you can attest to that. Your house is a, is a wreck just within minutes of cleaning it up. And uh, for those of you that are, are thinking about having kids, maybe you don't have kids, and maybe I'm scaring you away, let me just give you a quick litmus test that you can use. If you're thinking about having kids, all you have to do is ask yourself this one question. Am I ready to watch the exact same cartoon on repeat for the next four years? If the answer to that is yes, then yeah, you're ready to have kids. If not, then I, I would maybe wait just a little while. Uh, and for those of you uh, that are getting ready or maybe you're pregnant, you're getting ready to have kids, let me just give you a, a parenting pro tip real quick. This is just free of charge. This isn't even in the notes, okay? This is just for you. Uh, if you lose your kid, so often par- parents panic. They start looking for their kid. Don't do that, all right? If you lose your kid, here's what you do. You just go sit on the toilet because they will find you. Right on? 
Moms, okay, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. They'll just come find you. You don't have to worry about it anymore. So yeah, anyway, so we're talking about parenting, obviously, today. And so the, the question becomes this, and I, I don't want us to miss this because I know some of you will have the temptation of going, well, this isn't really for me. I'm just going to tune out. I don't want you to do that because um, who is this message for? I, I want you to know it doesn't matter if you're single, married, with kids, without kids, you're in grandparenting years. It doesn't matter where you're at. This marriage is for you. If you're having trouble uh, getting through the terrible twos, if you're in the murky waters of elementary school-age kids, if you're holding your breath because they're in high school, or maybe you're in panic mode because they're leaving and going off to college, or maybe you're in that, that stage of, of parenting, that grandparenting where you're actually having to parent your own grandkids, it, it doesn't matter where you're at. If you're single today, what we're going to teach you today, the principles are going to apply to you. I'm just taking an angle at it from the, the angle of parenting. So I know that you'll be able to apply it to wherever you're at in life, whatever stage of life that you're in. And so uh, with that being said, I believe uh, th- 3 John chapter 1 speaks for just about every parent in the room. Um, it says, I could have no greater joy, listen to this, than to hear that my child, my children are following the truth. If you're a parent in this room, I know your heart just jumped, didn't it? Like, that's the prayer, that's the desire of every parent's heart, is to one day to be able to say, my kids are living a godly life, like they are pursuing Christ, they are living the truth, I know that they are secure in Christ, it doesn't matter what kind of job they have, it doesn't matter all the other, as long as they are secure in Christ. And the reason is because as parents, we can feel this incredible pressure to want our kids to be okay, right? To do better than we did. That's the line that we use all the time as parents. We just, we just want them to have a better life than we had, not to make all those disastrous mistakes that we made. Now, I've heard it said that having a child is like having your heart walk around outside of your body. And if that's you this morning, man, I, I want to I take some of that pressure off of you because that's so much pressure on parents today. And we think that everything rests on our shoulders. But I want to show you that, that um, it doesn't all rest on you. Um, now, you do play a role in raising your kids. You know that. And it's a big role, especially uh, the earlier uh, ages. It's a larger role, and we're going to talk about that here in a minute. But it, it kind of lessens as they get a little bit older, and you've got to start letting them go and make their own decisions. But you play a role in that. But you only can do what you can do. But what I want to show you, and I wish somebody had taught me this a lot earlier because of the stress that we felt raising our kids, is that... Not only do you have your part and they have their part, and they don't always do their part, do they? No. That's part of growing up. You've got to teach them. But God has a part in this as well. Did you know that? That God plays a role in raising your kids. And here's what's great about it. God always does his part. He never fails, and you need to know that as parents. The other thing I want you to know is, even though you have this part and you're struggling, you're like, I wish they made owner's manuals for this thing, right? Um, here's the thing. God... Not only does he do his part, but through his Holy Spirit and through his word, he helps you do your part. The other thing I learned um, that I, I teach people today that I wish I had learned earlier is this, is you have to understand that God loves your child more than you ever could. Did you hear me? I mean, that, let that set in because I know that's hard to believe as parents, but God loves your child more than you ever could. You're only responsible for your part. God takes care of his part, and then at, at some point, you've got to start letting your kid take care of their part, because here's what happens. Uh, as they grow older, 
your control drops in their life. Early on, you have a lot of control in their life, but as they grow, as they get a little bit older, that control starts to, uh, it starts to slip. You got to let some of that control go. Uh, now, when they're five years old, you know, you got a lot of control in their life, right? And if they're arguing with you about something like, why do I have to do that? You can say things like, because I, yeah, yeah. That works when they're five, but try that when they're 30, right? It doesn't work so good. Why? Because your control is dropping as they grow older. The older that we get, the more we fall out of the role of the person that's in control to a more of a consultant in their life. And I want you to think of it like this. It's more like influence in their life. You want to maintain influence in their, through their entire life. This is the role, especially of parents of, of grown children is just being an influencer or a consultant in their life. Now, our ability to be able to consult in the future depends on how well we manage that transition from being in control to being a consultant. Are you with me? And I say that because many of us in this room have to admit that maybe we're at that place where we're looking back and we're realizing we didn't do a very good job of that transition. Like, we were panicked. We were freaking out. Like, you're not ready, and we're trying to grab a hold of control, and they were pulling away, and, and we caused a lot of friction, a lot of struggle in there. And we're at a place right now where we're not even sure if we're in a good place with our children, even though they've left our house. Now, we have to do our part, but we have to do it well, and God helps us to do that well. Now, how do we do this? How do we manage that transition, especially as they grow older? And those of you that have young kids, you're definitely going to want to know this today. How do we do that? The way I want to present it to you today is in um, kind of in circles, if you think about it, in circles. Um, if you have a child, or maybe you have more than some of you have, like, lots of children, right? Um, there's this amazing thing that God has set up around our kids, and we're just going to call them circles. And um, everyone needs a circle. Everyone needs people in their life. This is the way God has created it. This is why he created around our children parents. Now, in God's perfect plan, it would be that they would have a mother and a father that would help them grow and develop into mature, young, young, godly people. But let's be honest, we live in a broken world and we're broken people. And that's not always the situation, is it? Some of you, you're divorced. Some of you are step-parents. And you're going to have to try to take what we're teaching this morning and try to apply it to your situation because every, every, or every family is a little unique. And so just take it and apply it. Now, beyond the family, we would have things like grandparents and other family members, siblings and, you know, step-parents and uncles and aunts and things like that. And so we surround them with a family. And then, of course, in our culture beyond that, we have teachers and coaches and other people that have influence in their life as well. And then their friends and, and our friends. We're going to talk about that here in a minute as well. And then, of course, we have a church community around them. This is the goal for every one of us as parents is to create these circles around our children so that they grow up to be godly young people. Now, this isn't my idea. This is the way God has designed it. Do you realize that God, when he was creating in the middle of the creation story, he creates man and he creates him in his image. And all the way up until this point, God has said, it is good, it is good, it is good. And he gets to the man, and get this, sin hasn't even entered into the picture yet. And for the first time, God says, it is not good. He says, it is not good for man to be what? Alone. Yeah. God has created us for community. And even Jesus, when he began his ministry, uh, one of the first things he did is he created circles around him. 
Several of them. He, he had a circle of three. He had three that were close to him. Peter, James, and John. And then he had another circle that added the other nine. So he had his 12 apostles. And then there was a circle of 72. And then another circle of 120. And then he had a bigger one that we just referred to in scriptures, the multitudes. He had circles around him as well. And in fact, if you think about it, God himself is a circle unto himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, right? He's in perfect unity, perfect communion with himself. This is the way God has designed it is with circles. Now, if circles is a little difficult for you to understand, maybe zero in a little bit tighter, uh, I want to liken these circles maybe even to like, um, for those of you in business, to a boardroom. Like if you had a boardroom uh, for your life, right? And there's only a certain number of chairs that go around that table. My question is, who's sitting in those chairs? Because in a company, the people that sit at the boardroom, at the boardroom table, are the people who are making decisions for the company. And so in your life and in the the life of your children, they have their own boardroom table with a certain number of chairs. And my question is, who is sitting at those chairs? Not just your, your, your life, but your kids' lives as well. And you need to think through this. See, this is stuff we don't think about. I want us to be intentional about this this morning. Um, if you want a fun exercise this week, why don't you do this? Sit down and list the, loud, uh, the eight loudest voices in your life. List the eight most influential voices in your kids' lives and see what you come up with. It might scare you. Why? Because we've never given it any thought. And yet this is so foundational to them growing up to be godly young people. If you're in business today or if you're in any kind of leadership, go to conferences or whatever, you've probably heard this, but I've heard it several times now. But what they're saying now is that you're the average of your five closest friends. And the more studies I read, the more I'm finding out this is true. Like when it comes to income, the five people that you hang around the most, you're about the average of that income. Your, your marriage averages out about the average of those five. If you have horrible marriages around you, guess what your marriage is doing? If you have strong, godly marriages around you, guess what your marriage is doing? Um, happiness quotation? I mean, all of it. You're the average of your five closest friends. And sociologists have taken this a step further. I mean, they've started studying all of this, and, and they're not only studying friends, but they're studying friends of friends and friends of friends of friends to see what type of influence they have on us. And it's phenomenal because they've tracked it through things like obesity and drugs. Do you realize that if you have one of your five closest friends as obese, you, have 40, you are 45% more likely to gain weight in the next two to four years? And if you have a friend of a friend who is obese, you are 20% more likely to gain weight over the next two to four years. That's a friend of a friend. That's not even one of your close friends. That's just a friend of a friend. And when it comes to drug use, it's even more prevalent. If you have a close friend within the top five that is a drug user, you are 61% more likely to use drugs. But if none of your friends use, but one of their friends uses, you're 29% more likely to use. And if a friend of a friend of a friend is a user, you're 11 times more likely to use drugs. And the same is true when it comes to our happiness. If a friend of a friend of a friend is happy, get this, you experience a 6% increase in your happiness. And you might be thinking, well, 6%, that's not a whole lot. Well, think of it this way. If uh, they say if you are given a $10,000 raise today, $10,000 a year raise, you experience a 2% increase in your happiness. But yet a friend of a friend of a friend who's happy can bring 6% increase in happiness for you. 
Isn't that crazy? You're better off to have good friends than get a $10,000 pay raise. Who you have in your circle, get this, is more important than how much money you make when it comes to your happiness. Friends of your kids' friends end up having a significant influence in your kids' life. This is why you need to pay attention and you need to understand circles. Proverbs 13 says it this way. Walk with the wise and become what? Wise. Wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Yeah. And we all read that and we're like, of course, that's true. Yeah, duh, right? But yet we're not being intentional about it when it comes to our own lives or with our kids' lives. See, the younger your child is, the more control you have in their boardroom. Um, As they grow older, you begin to move out of this position of control and you transfer into more of a consultant as they get a little bit older. And by the time they get to a certain age, you've lost almost all control in their life. The older your child gets, your goal is that your kids would continue to use you as a consultant in their life so that they might decide who has a voice in their life. This is maintaining influence in their life, and you have to manage this transition well to be an influence in their life for years to come. You want to maintain influence. That's the goal here. Not just, you're not just trying to win today. You're trying to win life. How to win at home. That's what we're talking about. Now, why is all this important? You know this. The reason all these circles and the boardroom chairs are so important in our lives and why you have to understand you're moving from control to become a consultant in your kid's life is because a better circle provides a better life experience. And we know that. You could all tell me stories about people that you know who, you know, their circles were not good and it led them down a wrong path. You could also tell me other stories about how somebody had the right friends or the right circles around them and it led them to good things in life. We all know this instinctively, but yet we're not intentional when it comes to our own lives or the lives of our kids. This is critical for us to wake up and pay attention to this this morning. Now, what's interesting to me is when you're talking about your kids, not only do their circles matter, but here's what they're finding out. This, This will freak you out. Your circle matters when it comes to the quality of life for your kids. Your friends have an impact on your kids, uh, how they choose to live their life, the direction that they go, the choices that they make. They're, they're basing that not only on you, but also your friends. Ecclesiastes chapter four says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other, the other one can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now, how we treat uh, the people in our circles makes a big difference as to whether they stay in our circles. You guys know that, right? So being a good friend matters. But here's the other thing. Um, how you treat the people in your kids' circles make a big difference too. Uh, what's interesting to me is when we talk about the boardroom of our life, and especially when it, when it comes to the boardroom of our kids' lives, um, how we treat the other people in those chairs, if you have a chair, is important. I bring that up to, to say this. If you're divorced and you're fighting all the time, and you're creating chaos in your kid's life, you may not realize this, but they're making decisions as to who they're going to keep in these chairs. You need to know that. 
That's why it matters how you talk about your ex in front of your kids, right? Uh, if, if you live your life in such a way where you preach one thing, but you live something else, and your kid looks at you and thinks, well, they're a hypocrite, guess what they're thinking about you sitting in one of these chairs, right? You need to live out biblical principles and be a solid, just a, a fixture of godly living in front of them so that they go, I want a life like that, so that they grant you one of these chairs, because you're not guaranteed one of these chairs, especially as they get older. And unfortunately, some of you are living in that position right now. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I want you to make sure that you have influence in their life for the rest of their life. And not in just their life, but if they go on to have kids or they get married or whatever, you need to have influence in that as well. But it starts right here and right now. Um, you need to know that how you treat other people in that boardroom makes a big difference. Um, if you, um, I don't know, if you find yourself in a place where you're sitting in a boardroom and uh, you start to overstep your boundaries, you need people in your circle that can be able to call that out in you, right? So you need people in your circle that can hold you accountable as well. You need people in your life that live out this 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone, and then check this out. See that no one pays back evil for evil. Remember, how you treat other people matters. Their kids are watching, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. In the boardroom, um, when you're sitting in that chair and you're in the boardroom for your kids and you're trying to make decisions, can I ask you a question? Are you trying to make decisions based on how it's going to make you look or are you trying to make decisions based on what's best for them? Because they can tell. They can tell the difference. And the people that are going to want in those chairs are the people that they trust and know they're going to make decisions that are better for them. As your child ages... Um, they're going to fill these seats. And here's the kicker. You ready for this? Um, as they age, they could um, fill those seats with other people even if you do everything right. Okay? Uh, be, I know this because this is why we sit with our kids. Maybe we're driving down the road and, and they start talking about Karen, you know, and the, well, this is what she said and blah, blah, blah. And, this is, and you're like listening to it going, are you kidding me? Like, really? You're like, who said that? And they're like, Karen. What'd she say again? And they tell you. And you want to say, look, Karen's an idiot. Don't listen to Karen, right? But think about when you were growing up, if your parents tried to tell you something like that or tried to pull you away or isolate you from somebody, what did you do? See, if, if you were like me and you were stubborn, you would run that direction, right? And so as a parent, just keep in mind, as, you, as you're talking about these boardroom chairs, if, if somebody's in one of those chairs and they're speaking into your kid's life, you got to be careful how you handle that situation, because here's what ends up happening. We end up chasing them towards something that we're trying to pull them away from. So just speak truth. Be that, that godly example for them. And that will win out in the long run. Uh, we need to think about how we handle ourselves, especially when we're sitting in those chairs in that boardroom for our kids. Now, on the flip side, it can actually work out to good stuff, too. Think about all the times you've tried to tell your kids something and they're, they're just not listening. Like you keep trying to tell them, they're just not paying attention. And then all of a sudden, a favorite teacher or a coach says the same thing to them and they like, get it? And you're like, seriously? I've been telling you that for two weeks. You haven't been listening to me, right? And instead of being frustrated by that, here's what you need to do. You just need to go, thank you, Jesus. Hey, that person's smart. You need to listen to them, right? Because do we care if we get the credit, if they're going in the right direction? No, 
We just want them to go in the right direction and just praise God that they got good people in their life sitting in those seats to help advise them and send them in the right direction. Now, as a church, we take this seriously. This is why we want to partner with you. We want to help you fill up your circles and we want to help you fill up the circles for your kids as well. Um, Now, in scripture, when we talk about this, It's not referred to as chairs in the boardroom or circles. It's referred to as discipleship. And we ask you this question all the time. Who are you discipling? Who's discipling you, right? Who's your discipler? That's what we're talking about. Who are the voices that that have influence in your life? Who are the people pointing you on the right path? And, And here's the thing. They're there whether you choose them or not. So be intentional and pick good disciplers. Pick good people in your circle. Fill those seats with people that you can trust that are godly people. We want to partner with you and help you establish these circles and help you establish these circles for your kids. Now, when I was growing up, uh, there were three of us, my, myself, my brother, and my sister. We had a younger sister. And my parents, they understood this. Like to the nth degree, they understood this. And as I got older, I looked back on it, back on it and on the things that they did, and I'm like, hey, that was sneaky, right? Like I'm starting to pick up on some of the things that they did because um, one of the things my parents did is every house that we had, my dad, as we were growing up, established a game room. Like we had a pool table, we had a ping pong table, we had all these other things. He even, he even installed a fountain machine so you could just go over the cups and just fill it up with Coke or whatever you wanted, right? And he just set this place up where it was a lot of fun to hang out. And so what drove us crazy is my brother and I would be hanging out with our friends and we're like, hey, it's Friday night, where are we going to go hang out tonight? And they're like, let's go to your house. And we're like, I'm tired of being at my house. We'd always end up at my house. Do you know why? Because my parents knew that circles matter. And they knew from, I mean, every day they knew who I was hanging out with and who had a voice in my life. And you know what I did when I got older? I did the same thing for my boys. Why? Because circles matter. Um, the other thing my parents did is they made sure they were in church a lot. Like they were there multiple times during the week. Why? Because that was one of the circles that they wanted to make sure that surrounded them and their kids. And there were so many people from that church that had a voice in my life as I was growing up. And, and looking back on it now, I realize how important that was. I didn't know it at the time. Uh, my dad, anytime that he uh, had one of his friends who was connecting with his sons, he made sure that he would make sure that there were uh, formats where we could spend a lot of time together. We'd play softball together. We'd work out together. Whatever it was, he would just make, make it happen because he knew that his sons were looking up to somebody that, that was a friend of his that he respected that was a godly man. He was like, that's a good person in the circle. That's a good person to put in that chair. I'm going to make sure they spend time together. And he did it, and he was intentional about it. And you know what's interesting about that? One of those guys that I looked up to that was one of his friends, I ended up naming one of my sons after him. That's how much influence he had in my life. Tell me that's not intentional, right? My dad knew what he was doing. My parents were wise in doing that. Now, um, Angie and I, as we had sons and we started growing them up, we did the same thing. And, And I'll just say this, just looking across the room here, there's faces in here that I can't even begin to thank you for what you did for my kids. You were influences in my son's lives and you poured into them and you helped create the men that they are today. Thank you. I can't thank you enough for that. But that's how this works. That's what what is so important about being here at church and creating these circles around you and around your children. I loved it when my sons would come home and go, hey, so-and-so is so cool and they were talking about somebody from the church and I'm like, yes, that's awesome because that's somebody I want in that circle. So here's what I would challenge you with. Regular attendance, 
Make this part of your life. Make this one of your circles. Make it a circle around you and around your kids. Uh, one of the things, that, and I'm just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to overstep my boundaries, okay? I'm just going to overstep it. You can come up and, and tell me I'm wrong later, okay? One of the things that frustrates me, man, I'm going to step in it really, I'm going to step in it big time here. Please hear my heart in this. One of the things I hear that drives me crazy is um, we have great youth programs going on here. And we have youth group members who get in trouble and the first thing their parents do is ground them from youth. And I'm thinking, no. Why take the good influence out of their life? Don't do that. Do you hear me in that? And please forgive me if I'm overstepping my boundaries. I want you to understand the idea behind these circles is to create good circles around them. Don't take the good ones away because all you leave are the bad ones. Um, we want you plugged in here. This, this is one of the reasons, these circles, is one of the reasons why we have a children's program. You realize all the people that serve and work back there, they're not childcare. You know that, right? Like what they're doing is they're working hard to create circles around your kids so that your kid can have a better life experience. It's one of the reasons why we spend thousands of dollars every summer sending our junior high and high school kids off to youth camps, to Christ in youth camps and things like that. Why? Because they're creating circles around them. They're going to push them to God. And we tell our teens all the time, look, there's not a whole lot of neutral in your life when it comes to your friends. You have friends that are either pushing you to Jesus or pulling you away. It's one or the other. There's not a lot of neutral. So you need to decide who's in your circle. And you need to pick people who are going to push you to Jesus because a circle needs to challenge them. They need, you need to be challenged by your circles. Your kids' circles need to challenge them. A good circle will never leave you where you're at. They'll love you and they'll accept you there, but they're not going to leave you there. Why? Because when we read this in our men's ministry all the time, Proverbs 27 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Now, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be some comfort to it as well because that would be neglecting Galatians chapter 6 which says share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. But what I am saying is that they should push you. Proverbs 19 says get all the advice and instructions you can so you will be what? Wise the rest of your life. Now here at Mountain View Fellowship we're not going to delay spiritual maturity. We're not going to push it off. We don't we don't need to, you know, be careful around each other and not offend each other. We're going to push each other. We're going to challenge each other. We're going to challenge each other's kids to grow in the area of their walk with Christ. Why? Because we don't get everything right. We mess some things up. So we need other people in our lives to help challenge us and push us and navigate the, these, these circumstances of life so that we might learn and grow in Christ. If you've been around here very long at all, you know our heart in this. When it comes to our teens, when we launched this church 17 years ago, we said that our teens were going to be a priority. We were not going to leave out our children. You read through scripture so often, then there came a generation that did not know God. And we said, we're not going to make that mistake here. We're going to be intentional about reaching our teens for Jesus Christ. Our, our kids are always looked at in other churches as, I don't know, lesser than or subpar or they, we only need them for child care. We don't do that here. They're not the next generation. They are this generation. And we're going to push them. We're going to challenge them. We're going we're to give them leads to chan uh, chances to lead. That's why we have them up here on the stage so often. You see them leading in, in other areas within the church. Why? Because they're not leaders of tomorrow. They're leaders of today. And we want to pour into them. And we want to raise them up and, and prepare them to make a difference. Uh, make them, equip them so they're ready to handle their faith right here and right now at a young age. 
We want to equip them to to be able to pick people that are good for them in their circles and to be in other people's circles and influence them for Christ. Now, for many of you, you understand everything I've said here this morning because this is where you live. This is your lane. Like, you're good at this. Like, God has given you influence on other people's lives and you handle it very delicately. You, you, You allow the Spirit to lead and guide you, and you spend a lot of time in prayer. You know how important this is, and you do it well. And here's the thing about that, is for many of you that do that, you go unnoticed and unappreciated. And I'm just telling you here this morning, we notice you, and we appreciate you way more than you know. Keep doing it. Be faithful. Stay at it. Because this discipleship thing is so important. It's how we influence people for Christ. It's how God moves and works in his people. I, w- I want you to keep it up. We, we know so many of you, you're like pouring into kids that aren't even yours. Some of you, you're you grandparents. Like you were supposed to go out and buy the RV. You were at that stage of life and you had to, for whatever life reason, you had to trade the RV in for a minivan and you're now raising your grandkids as your own. We see you and we appreciate you. We love you. Stay faithful. We want to support you in that. But for many times, this is just a, it's an unnoticed, unappreciated area of life, but it is so critical, not just to our lives, but to our, the lives of our kids as well. So here's the challenge, all right? Because it is unnoticed and unappreciated so often, I want you to make them noticed and make them appreciated. So this week, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take some time. And I want you to make a list of those people that are sitting in those circles or on those chairs around your boardroom um, table. And I want you to write them a thank you text or a thank you note, something like that, just to thank them for pouring into you and to pouring into your kids. Just take some time and and let them know how much you've you've appreciated them. Um, Can we do that this week?